Our text this week is continuing with the story of Abraham. Well, I guess, well, at the end of this passage, he's Abraham. Beginning of the passage, that's not quite his name. So, here are these words. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am El Shaddai. Walk with me and be trustworthy. I will make a covenant between us and I will give you many, many descendants. Abram fell on his face and God said to him, But me, my covenant is with you. You will be the ancestor of many nations. And because I have made you the ancestor of many nations, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham. I will make you very fertile. I will produce nations from you and kings will come from you. I will set up my covenant with you and your descendants after you in every generation as an enduring covenant. I will be your God and your descendants, God, after you. And then continuing in verse 15, God said to Abraham, as for your wife, Sarai, you will no longer call her her Sarai. Her name will now be Sarah. I will bless her and even give you a son from her. I will bless her so that she will become nations and kings of people will come from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. All right, so time with our youngsters for a moment. We've been given a name, right? We all have a name. As many, some of us have multiple names. We don't often hear all of our names. Usually that's when we're in trouble is when we hear all of our names. So, but last week we talked about promises. We talked about the rainbow, right? The covenant between God and Noah. And so this week, we, we, we talk about a promise made to Abram, Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai would have a son, Isaac, and they and all of Isaac's family after him would be God's people. God would bless them. They would know and love God and live in God's way. So God gave both Abram and Sarai new names. God named them Abraham and Sarah. What do you think if God changed your name? Huh. Well, God blessed Abraham's son Ishmael also. Remember, God said the promise would be between God and all of Abraham's family, and it would last forever. So today, there are people from many nations and many places who call themselves children of Abraham. Those who claim the Jewish faith are his children because Isaac and Abraham were their family. Those who are from the Muslim faith are also his children because Ishmael and Abraham were their family. Christians are children of Abraham because... They share, we share trust in God, and, and Jesus and his followers kind of added others to that family by belief. So you know what? We, in addition to the name we, our parents have given us, we, we share a name. We share the name of a child of God. You, me, everybody. Everybody that calls on God's name. Remember that. That each of us, all of us, are a blessed child of God. So we can be a blessing then to others. Let us pray. Loving and promising God, you have blessed so many people. Bless us too, so that we can bless others. Help us be part of your people. Help us live into that, and help us live the way that you want us each. Amen. The names. We all have them. Most of the um, teaching that you get on dealing with people is the idea that the sweetest sound to any person is their own name. So part of the ways that people um, 
make friends with people or create business deals with people or um, create you know, relationships with people is, is by finding out their name and using that name. I admit I'm awful at that. I've done all the things you're supposed to do to be better at names, and somehow my brain and names just don't get together. Um, I don't know. I wish sometimes that I did, but, but names are important. Because naming is kind of a source of identity, right? I mean, we're given a name to identify who we are. Seems like a lot of the names we read in the Bible have a meaning behind them, and our names do too, but I don't think most of us were named because of the meaning. We are named because of the name. But in God's conversation with Abram, God renames him. And then God renames Sarai. They both become part of this covenant, not just additions to their the key players. Knowing names does show we care about other people. But at the same time, in the body of Christ, we go beyond just the names we're called. I mean, we, we call names when we're baptized. But we're, we go beyond that because there's this covenantal relationship, right? We, we become a new identity in Christ. We're given the name of the follower of Christ as well. God doesn't, set, doesn't ask us to set aside who we are in that but to add on this identity of one of Christ. And that enables us to use the gifts we already have for the work that God has for us. It's not that we stop using what we have been given. We use everything that we have. Every experience, every, every skill, everything we've developed over the years becomes useful in the idea of following Christ. So today we can you know, look at names and, and look at ourselves and... and, and but also look at how then taking on the name of a disciple, taking on the name of Christ, Christian, what that really means. Today in our world, there's lots of baggage associated with some of these names. I mean, Christian or baptized believer or disciple. There are things in our world that make some of those mean something different than we might want them to mean. So, but knowing how we feel about that is important. Self-reflection and self-awareness is is a good thing. But really, we are followers of Christ. The bigger question is how we walk before God with that name we've been given. How do we, repre- how do we represent the name we carry? Christian, Christ's name. How do we represent that in the world? Our testimony is a powerful way that we do that, right? We share our story of faith, how God has impacted our lives. And we have to tell those stories. You can't just rely on the preacher to do that for you. The reason is, my story is not your story. Right? I mean, our story together is kind of a shared story, but our individual stories of faith are important because we, each one of us, has ways to reach others and relate to others because of our stories that maybe nobody else has. That's important. Those stories sometimes are stories of success where God has helped us and we have been blessed by that. Sometimes they're stories of struggle where things have not gone well in our lives, but yet God has walked with us. I know some of your stories. We have stories of, of joy. We have stories of pain. We have stories of, of, of deep loss and great celebration in all of us. But those are all important stories to tell. The, the biblical take on heroes is different than our worldly take, right? So, you know, you look at the, the superhero movies, and they always win. You ever notice that? Even if they take a beating, they always win, right? Sometimes our lives don't feel quite like that, do they? That's where being real with each other is important. 
I mean, look at the characters in the Bible. I mean, carefully read Genesis. It is bizarre. It is a it is a, a wonderful document of a completely dysfunctional family. I mean, lying and cheating and oh my goodness, it is it is it is it's nuts. But yet, it's still God's people, right? God tells Abram, walk before me and be blameless. Oof. First part, on board with that, right? We can walk before it. That's good. Be blameless. Now you're putting pressure on God. What might that look like? Walking before God and being blameless. In Noah, that we talked about last week, he also is talked about in terms of being blameless. That look like, and if you notice in God's speaking with Abram, he tell God tells Abram very few specifics. Abram's told to go to a place God will show him. Doesn't tell him where he's going. He just says go. Abram's told to go to the place, and then God tells Abram he's going to be the father of many nations. Doesn't tell how doesn't give any specifics, doesn't give a timeline, just says it's going to happen. Telling an old man who has no children that he's going to be the, fam- the, the father of nations sounds pretty incredible. This is the third repetition of the covenant with, with Abram, Abraham. In the first encounter, Abram's told to leave. Leave your home. In the second, he lost his security. And a third, here in this account, he loses his name. It's like this is going backwards. We don't focus on what he's losing here, right? We focus on what he's gaining. But that gain comes with some sacrifice. There are promises, sure. But there is something that happens. A sacrifice made, a rending, right? That happens to claim those promises. Abram was called to, vent, to leave the familiar and to venture out without clear direction, with only trust called to believe he had a home, a place, despite being surrounded by enemies. And now he's called to take on a whole new identity and to live that identity with his whole life. See, Abraham's living this idea of true sacrifice, isn't he? And in our period of Lent, when we give up something, giving up things like chocolate just doesn't quite seem quite the same um, power as this idea of Abram giving up almost everything to follow. But yet it's a sign. Even our giving up something meager, even our taking on something additional that, that helps our spiritual growth, even though that seems so insignificant compared to what Abram, Abraham did, it's still a sign of our faithfulness. But think of the timelines here too. So the first time that Abram met God, when God the first was, it says Abram was seven, uh, 75 years old. In this one, he's 99 now, between these, he's 99, and he has no promise of a son with Sarah yet, right? In the meantime, while they're waiting, they hatch a plan. That's where, that's where how Ishmael happens, right? So this is... <laughs> Abram and Sarai got tired of waiting for the promise that God gave them and took matters into their own hands and complicated everything. Why does that sound familiar? Anybody ever done that? I mean, you get tired of waiting for the promise of God, and you take things into your own hands, and you make your own decisions, and it never quite turns out the way we thought. Funny thing about that, huh? I mean, they waited 20 years. Have, you, have, we all, have any of us waited 20 years for the promise that God gave? 
Sometimes we make decisions based upon our own hard-headedness. Sometimes we make decisions based upon our own timelines and the way that we think things should happen. And sometimes we make decisions based upon what we think is the best following of God, and we're wrong. You know, in my journey to be a pastor, parts of it happened super quick. You know, when I first started, it was, it was a really quick process. We sh- the timetable got shortened between when I finally answered that 2 by 4 hitting me in the head and entering seminary. That was a really quick period of time. And everything kind of fell into place, right? Seminary appointment while I was in while I was in seminary. Everything just kind of fell into place. So I had this this idea that I'm doing this because I mean I, initially I did not want to be a pastor, so so this is following what God wanted. And if I'm following what God wants, God will take care of me. That was my mindset, right? Which is true. However, sometimes that mindset gets the best of us. So everything went along swimmingly until I get to the part of actually being ordained as an elder in the church. And the committee said, you've got to work on a couple things. You're not quite ready. Part of that, I went into those interviews with the idea that I'm doing this because God wants me to do it. God's got this. I don't have to worry about a thing. The problem was that came across as incredibly arrogant. Oops. <laughs> and so they said, work on a couple things and come back next year. All right. In that process, we had a move, and I said, next year, moving while you're trying to work on all these things is really not a great idea, and I should have waited, and several people told me that I should wait another year, and I said, no, because I'm doing this because God wanted me to do this. God's got me. I got this. Somebody said, you didn't finish everything. Come back again when you have. Oops. But then I was able to focus on all those things that they asked me to do, and everything they asked me to do has made me a better pastor, without fail. There was wisdom in the board that at first I could not hear. We make decisions sometimes based upon our own desires, our own timetables. Abraham and Sarah did the same thing, and they monked it all up. God can turn that, and God's been able to use that and make things, but... God does that, right? So God's really good at taking our mistakes and turning them into something else that's better. Thank you, God. But how long do we have to wait, right? How long are we walking before God before we see something? Walk before me and be blameless. Blameless. Maybe this says, keep moving forward. Don't give up. Even as... Time passes and you become antsy. Trust and walk before me. Noah walked with God. Abram's told to walk before God. Are they the same thing? Maybe, but maybe not. I think Abraham was asked to walk without knowing the destination, without knowing the timetable. And that takes a different kind of faith, doesn't it? To continue when things aren't going the way that you think or on the timeline you think. Didn't mean Abraham didn't make mistakes. He did. Just like we all do. We all do. Wish we didn't. Those mistakes sometimes hurt people. But we do. The result of all this is not just that God eventually did fulfill that promise, but God even changed Abraham's name, right? Changed Sarai's name as well. I mean, this is a significant story of faithfulness, despite the mistakes despite the impatience. But in some ways, isn't that comforting? To know that God has chosen this individual who has 
who has made some serious errors in trying to be faithful, and God is still faithful to the promise. When Jesus came, he turned everything upside down. Because the way the people thought the faith was playing out was not how God played out the promise. Instead of a conqueror coming in to, to physically wrangle everybody into belief, it was, it was a quiet revolution of the heart, changing people from the inside out, meeting their needs, giving people hope, loving people who even the world said were unlovable, and teaching us how to do that. That takes time. That's hard work. Because sometimes it means unlearning things we've learned. And that's not easy. But if God can be faithful with Abram, with Abraham, right? God's going to be faithful with us too. As we walk before him, as we share his story, the stories we have together, if we share our history, as we share God's transformative power in our lives, as we share the love of Jesus that has changed every single one of us and given all of us hope. It's one step at a time. That's how we follow faithfully. That's how we walk before God. That's how we do so blamelessly, is by walking one step at a time, following and doing what God asks us to do, which basically boils down, as Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, souls, with everything, right? And love others as yourself. It's simple. Not easy, (laughs) but it's simple. Step by step. That's how we do this. There's a song that for a while was my... um, I guess it was my personal anthem for a little while. Unfortunately, I'm not going to sing it for you, but it's um, the words are, Oh God, you are my God, and I will ever praise you. I will seek you in the morning. I will learn to walk in your ways. Step by step, you'll lead me. I will follow you all of my days. That's all we got to do, folks. Step by step. Love the people in front of us. Share the gospel. Share the good news of hope and salvation. As we wait for the promise God has given us, let us be God's people one step at a time as we walk before him. Amen.